The sermon text is the second lesson from St. Peter's second letter, chapter 1, verses 16 to 21. To be sure, we were not following cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the powerful appearance of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from within the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We heard this voice, which came out of heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. We also have the completely reliable prophetic word. You do well to pay attention to it, as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Since we know this above all else, no prophecy of Scripture comes about from someone's own interpretation. In fact, no prophecy ever came by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were being carried along by the Holy Spirit. The Word of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Before St. Peter left this world to be with our Savior, the Holy Spirit used him to deliver a message to God's people. Be ready. St. Peter told God's people to be ready for all kinds of dangerous lies, false teachings, and wrong ideas that were going to attack Christ's church, all of his believers. And in fact, the Holy Spirit used Peter to write two different letters with that same central theme, be ready. And it was actually a, a two-sided command that Peter gave to the church, to the people of God. Not only to protect yourself, to defend yourself against false teachings and wrong ideas that come raiding against what God says in his word, but at the same time to build yourself up and be strong in the truth, what God's word tells you. And actually, as it turns out, in an age where convenience means more to people than anything else, it is very convenient to be able to keep both of those commandments and encouragements at the same time, because the way that you guard yourself against ideas that are wrong and attack God's word, and the way you build up and solidify yourself in the word of God is actually, you do the exact same thing. In St. Peter's words, you pay close attention to the totally reliable Word of God. So 2,000 years ago already, when St. Peter wrote these letters, the Christian church was under assault from all kinds of unscriptural and ungodly ideas, which is why the letters of the apostles, which make up basically the final furlong of the Bible, are the apostles' letters, and they are just loaded with these kinds of warnings to watch out for what is wrong and build yourself up in what is right. These wrong ideas were coming from every direction, so it's no surprise that this section of Scripture is full of these kinds of warnings and encouragements. But it's also true that these warnings and encouragements that were written 2,000 years ago are still very meaningful and totally relevant for Christians today. Because the thing about these false teachings, these wrong ideas that attack God's Word, they never die. They never really go away. They just get repackaged and rebranded and used over and over and over again, generation after generation. And on one level, 
It's not strange, we shouldn't be surprised then, that the church, Jesus' people, are still under attack from a lot of these wrong ideas because it makes perfect sense for people outside the Christian church, people who do not believe in Jesus, to reject, for example, what the Bible says about how the universe got here. Got here by just the power of God's word in, in six normal days. And it, it makes total sense for people outside the Christian church to reject what the Bible says about who Jesus is. Kind of sneer at the idea that someone could be God and man at the same time. And it makes total sense for people outside of Jesus' church to look at the Bible and see a book of myths, fairy tales, in Peter's words, fables, roughly on the same level of reliability and quality of Aesop or Homer or Virgil. And you would expect those ideas to be outside of Jesus' church and then try to work their way in. But now, those wrong ideas aren't just on the outside of the church trying to work their way in. They're fully inside of Christ's church. If you take a surveys, surveys after surveys show that a majority of Christians now find no conflict between what Scripture says about how the universe got here and what macroevolution says about how we got here. And a majority of Christians will tell you it really doesn't matter who Jesus Christ was exactly, keyword was, like he's gone in the past tense. It doesn't matter who he was as long as we just follow the morality of his teaching. And now even a majority of people inside of Jesus' church will say that the Bible has all kinds of mistakes in it because, hey, it was written by imperfect men and it's not really supposed to be a, a science textbook or a history textbook anyway. So the wrong ideas are from the outside in and now they're even on the inside. And it would be justifiable if at this point you were wondering to yourself, what does any of this have to do with Easter? This is the second Sunday of Easter. Well, what it has to do with it is that a lot of these wrong ideas now are attacks on the resurrection of our Savior Jesus. From outside and inside the church now, there are voices that say, well, Jesus didn't actually die on the cross. He was never dead. See, he just kind of went into a stupor. He was unconscious. And then when they put him in that cold, damp grave, it revived him. And he was able to get out. And I'm not making that up. There are people who te they keep a straight face. They're serious about this. There are other people who say, well, Jesus didn't rise from the dead. His disciples, they were really stressed and they were tired and they saw sort of visions and hallucinations of Jesus. And then the one that really gets a lot of traction now is that, no, we don't believe a, a dead man actually got up and walked out of his tomb. What we mean is Jesus lives on in the hearts of his people, and he, he inspires us to live good lives. And in, in that sense, Jesus has been raised from the dead. And now, these ideas aren't just coming from the outside and inside the church. They're actually coming from the top down in the church. People in positions of leadership stand up to join these ideas. As the old Balkan proverb goes, the fish rots from the head. So from the outside, from the inside, and from the top down, these ideas come. And you're going to hear them, you know, even in our tiny little corner of the Christian church known as confessional Lutheranism, you are going to hear these things. For goodness sake, you heard them this morning in the sermon, not in an approving way, but you did hear them. And unless you live under a rock, these ideas are going to come from outside, inside, and above you. And first they start to enter our ears and then mess with our minds and they even start to tug on our faith. 
and Christians start to wonder, do we really have to believe that everything is the way that God says it is in his word? And do we really have to believe that a dead man flicked open his eyes and stood up and folded his grave clothes and walked out of a tomb? And you see, that's just how these ideas work, and this is just why they're so dangerous. They start by attacking things that people think aren't such a big deal. They are, but people think they aren't, like creation and the reliability of Scripture. And then they go after the things that are everything, like who Jesus is and his resurrection. Because as we heard last Sunday, if Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, he's not the Son of God. If he's not the Son of God, he does you no good, and there's no point in being a Christian. But that's how this works. You start with stuff that people think is small, and then you go after the stuff without which Christianity is of really no value at all. So what power do we have to do what Peter tells us to do, to guard against these wrong ideas? And remember, it is a two-sided command that Peter gives here. Don't just guard yourself against what is false, but grow up and be strong in the truth of what God tells you in his word. Well, he told us, it is to pay attention to the totally reliable Word of God. But then the question is, how do we know God's Word is reliable? How do we know that what St. Peter and the other apostles tell us in the Bible about Jesus' resurrection or anything else, how do we know that we can depend on that? And how do we know anything flies in the face of that must be false? Well, as he begins this section of Scripture... St. Peter writes about a story, something he saw with his own two eyes. You know, it's interesting. Peter could have written about any of the many, many miracles that Jesus performed during his ministry. He could have written about Jesus' resurrection. He could have written about his ascension. But the thing is, at that time, there were still thousands of witnesses of Jesus' miracles alive. Like, if you wanted to find someone who saw Jesus feed the 5,000, it wouldn't be that hard to do. It really wasn't that special to be an eyewitness of one of his miracles. And Jesus' resurrection, the eyewitnesses were probably still in the hundreds. And even Jesus' ascension, there was still a pretty good group of guys alive who had seen it with their own two eyes. But the story Peter writes about, there were only three. Three who saw it with their own eyes, Peter, James, and John. And by this time... One of them, James, had probably already been martyred. So there were only two left who saw this story Jesus is writing about. And it's the story of Jesus' transfiguration. And just before Jesus rode into Jerusalem to go to the cross, and die for our sins and rise from the dead, he climbed a mountain with just his inner sanctum of disciples, Peter, James, and John. And they saw Jesus turn dazzling white, and Moses and Elijah came down from a chat for a chat. And this is the story Peter is writing about. Jesus received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from within the majestic glory saying, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We heard this voice which came out of heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. So why do you suppose Peter, as one of probably two surviving eyewitnesses, what point is he trying to make? by reminding us that he was there with Jesus on the mountain. Telling us that nothing Jesus Christ did was done in secret. None of it was done off in a corner. There was eyewitnesses to all of it. And the people who saw Jesus do these things had nothing to gain 
from going out and telling the world about it. They weren't going to get famous. They weren't going to get rich, anything like that. They had nothing to gain. They had everything to lose. Their freedom, their family, their property, even their lives. But even so, they never backed down, and they stuck to their story. Peter's saying, you can trust what we say. We were there, and we have no reason to lie. But then, Peter gives us another reason to trust the reliability of the Scripture, which is much more important than the first one. He says, we know this above all else. See, eyewitnesses are one thing, but this is above all else. No prophecy of Scripture comes about from someone's own interpretation. In fact, no prophecy ever came by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were being carried along by the Holy Spirit. So first Peter tells us you can depend on what Scripture says because we were there, we saw it. Now Peter pulls the Old Testament and all of Scripture into the picture. He says those prophets in the Old Testament, they were not writing their own philosophies their own ideas and interpretations of the way things are. The Holy Spirit carried them along and gave them the words and the thoughts that the Spirit wanted them to write. So the scripture of the Old Testament is God's word, not the word of man. And you can tell that's true because everything the prophets said in the Old Testament, everything they said was going to happen, turned out exactly the way they said it would. And there is no prognosticator or forecaster in history that has a record like that. And it shows you that what St. Peter is saying is true. And the same thing is true for the New Testament. Those eyewitnesses weren't writing down their own ideas, their own stories. The Holy Spirit was giving them the words to write. This is the teaching that, in Lutheran teaching, we call verbal inspiration. That all of Scripture is God's word, given by Holy, the Holy Spirit to the men who wrote it. So we believe that the Bible is a book of facts, because it is the word of God and not the word of man. And this means that as Christians, we have every reason as individuals to be in that word on a daily basis. We have every reason as a congregation to gather around that word and study it. Peter writes, we also have a completely reliable prophetic word. You do well to pay attention to it as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. See, Peter wants his re readers then to understand it is this reliable word of God. This is the light that scatters the darkness of unbelief and sin in your heart. And that is what Peter's listeners now need to remember just as much as his listeners then. It is through the listening, the learning, the studying of God's word that the light of God's truth scatters the darkness of lies and unbelief. See, it's good to know about God's word that eyewitnesses saw it happen. It's especially good to know that you are reading the word of God and not the word of men because the Holy Spirit inspired it. But it is most important to remember that you have God's promise that when you are paying attention to that totally reliable word, Doubts and lies will be scattered away from you and the Holy Spirit will be building you up in the truth that Jesus Christ came into this world as true God and true man. That he died for your sins and rose from the dead. This command and encouragement from St. Peter is just as much for us now as it was for Christians then. So pay attention to it and you will find your vulnerability 
to any wrong idea outside, inside, or from the top down, you will find that vulnerability shrinking away. And in its place, you will find confidence growing from the totally reliable word of God. You have a Savior who came as true God and true man, who laid down a holy life for you, and as we see and celebrate in this Easter season, picked it up again. We have the totally reliable truth on that from eyewitnesses who saw it. We have it from the mind of the Holy Spirit himself. But most importantly, we have God's promise that when we pay attention to that reliable word, he will build us up in that truth and rescue us from everything that attacks it. Amen.